I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL With the three things you need to know this hour, I'm Dan a.m. Welcome to Inside Sources. I'm your host, Greg Scordis. And with the, the one thing you need to know at this hour, I'm hosting today with Leah Murray, my friend from the Walker Institute at Weber State University. And Leah, I have to put you on the spot for just a second. Okay, because go. one of my New Year's resolutions, and it's not New, New Year yet, is that you're going to invite me to speak at, at the Walker Institute. <laughs> the Walker I've been Institute. asking you that for six months. So this this year, you got to have me on the agenda. Do all of your resolutions take you six months to well, implement? I, yeah, well, <laughs> six months to think about because I always blow it after the first I promise, of weeks. Greg. I promise. All right. All right. You've heard it here on KSL News Radio. Uh, we are filling in today for Boyd Matheson. We have an interesting show for you uh, this afternoon. The next two hours, we've got guests, we've got a lot of topics. So let's just cut to the chase. Who is Hakeem Jeffries, the new House Democrat leader? He replaces Nancy Pelosi, who served in that position for, I didn't realize this, 20 years. Decades, right? 20 years. We've all sort of known Nancy to be the face of the Democratic Democratic Congressional Caucus and House uh, Speaker. Uh, She was probably the minority leader when, when the Republicans had that, but she's now stepped down to her credit. And it seemed like if you looked at some of the other people that were sort of being announced or being looked at to fill that role, there were a lot of elderly people. There were a lot of senior citizens, but they've selected. I I have to say that because I'm I'm getting into that group. You're you're one of the kids here. (laughs) Uh, But um, Hakeem Jeffries, he's young. He's uh, pretty vibrant. He's uh, Black. He's the first African-American to serve in that position. And I think that says a lot for the Democrats. Yeah. So what I want to kind of say is Democrats went from having three octogenarians in their leadership um, to having someone. So Jeffries is 52 years old. They're going to have Catherine Clark, who is 59, and Pete Aguilar, who is 43. Yeah. So they went from... I don't know, is it boomers in the 80s? That's got to still be boomers, right? I'm not sure. To having Gen X, right? So it's a very different... I think that whole mood's going to be very exciting for the Democrats in the House. And here's what Hakeem Jeffries had to say about his position. Good afternoon, everyone. It's an honor to stand before you today uh, as the incoming House Democratic leader for the 118th Congress that will convene on January 3rd. And it's important, I think, uh, Leah, to recognize that he was a unanimous selection into this position. I mean, he, he... 
announced he was interested in it. He went unopposed, and he he had huge uh, respect for that for that position. He seems to be very popular among the Democrats. Right, and what's also kind of cool about that is Nancy Pelosi didn't like pick him to be her successor. Right, right? so she was very deliberate about saying, "I'm not even going to say who I think." Except my understanding is, I think he actually chaired or was the manager for one of the impeachment hearings of President Trump, I think the first one. So, you know, that leadership would have picked him to do that a couple of years ago is a sign that he was already, right? Like, we didn't know his name. Do you know what I mean? But people inside of the Democratic caucus in Congress would have known who he was. He's described as a black progressive Democrat. And uh, progressive sort of leads a lot of us to think about uh, very far to the left or very extreme in his views. And he's sort of made it clear that that's not uh, where he is, not where he wants to be. Um, he, he also shared his commitment to House Democrats. Each and every day, House Democrats committed to fighting hard for working families, middle class folks, those who aspire to be part of the middle class, young people, seniors, immigrants, veterans, the poor, the sick, the afflicted, the least, the lost, and the left behind. House Democrats fight for the people. Leah, does it surprise you at all that uh, he was selected in this position by the Democrats? I mean, does that seem like – I mean, I don't know. I, I didn't know a lot about him. You apparently did. You seemed up to speed on him much more than I am, but it seems pretty impressive. No, I think he's very impressive, um, and I think – so. The, one of the most important things leadership can do is raise funds. Like, so I used to always talk about Nancy Pelosi and say she was amazing at fundraising, right? So you could get money and then you could move it around, right? Right. Um, you know, and Jeffries comes from New York City. It's another kind of location, I think, epicenter, if you will, in this country of a lot of wealth, right? So I imagine he's going to be good at doing that part of it. But what I also think is interesting is, so he, you said, he describes himself as a black progressive Democrat, um, but then he followed that by saying, there will never be a moment where I bend the knee to hard left democratic socialism. That was smart to say. Right. That was something and, he kind of had to say. Well, I imagine he had to say it, but it's interesting that he gets unanimous support. So that means the very left wing of the Democrats feel like that's the right message going forward um, for the party, which I think is really cool. Right. And he also talked about working with the other side because, as you know, the Republicans have now taken over the House. And right. so he's the in, in the head of the minority side of that. And, and here's what he said about working with the other side. We look forward to finding opportunities to partner with the other side of the aisle and work with them whenever possible. But we will also push back against extremism whenever necessary. You know, I think the Democrats have a lot of work to do with this next session, the 118th session. And that is because they are no longer the majority. But the, as we saw from the midterms, and you and I have talked about this a number of times, the, the bridge between the Democrats and Republicans was – pretty short. Razor I mean, the, thin. It was razor thin. <laughs> right, it was right. what people thought. And so I think that Republicans, Democrats in Congress have to work close together, even even on both sides, both houses. Look, I think Americans expect them to. I don't know how well they can. Right? These are all humans right? and they have opinions. Um, one of my, I thought it was funny in the article we've been reading from the Washington Post, there's a quote. So in 2020, um, House, who's now going to be the speaker, McCarthy, is calling for Joe Biden to suspend his presidential campaign. And someone asked Jeffries about it. And Jeffries said, who? Right. <laughs> so I 
you know, Jeffries is an unknown quantity out in the world, but, you know, McCarthy's going to know who he is. And I just kind of wonder, how, you know, how it's going to go, how McCarthy's going to work with this new leader. And, and I think earlier you talked about two the other two uh, Democrats that were put in that position, also younger uh, representatives. Right. So um, it sorry about that. So I'm pulling up their names. Make sure I get this right. So it's Aguilar and it's Clark. Um, Clark is from Massachusetts. Aguilar is from California. You know, note. So you've got three leaders from three nice blue states. Right. You know, um, New York, Massachusetts, California. And I don't know as much about them. Right. So we'll see. You know, I always tell people when stuff happens like this, I have to rewrite all of my lectures, right? Yeah. So I'm going to have to redo all of my knowledge around who the House Democratic leadership are because Steny Hoyer and Nancy Pelosi and James Clyburn had been there forever. Yeah, and Catherine Clark, a 59-year-old Democrat out of Massachusetts, the new House majority – well, she's taking the position of the House majority leader. They're not majority anymore. Right. And the whip, Pete Aguilar, Democrat from California, only 43 years old. I mean, these this is a young – Vibrant group. I mean, this is a this is if this is the face of the Democratic uh, Congressional Caucus going forward. I think they're in good shape. Yeah, and I think the right move. I right. really think America doesn't want eighty year olds in charge. <laughs> and and here's what Jeffries had to say about working with House Republicans. And we hope that our colleagues on the other side of the aisle, as they temporarily inherit the majority <laughs> in the next Congress are willing to proceed with that same spirit of cooperation, fortitude, and mission-centered focus to get things done for everyday Americans. Yeah, and so uh, that was interesting. That they, they're temporarily taking over the House. but uh, Right, because be Jeffrey says his number one thing is winning it back in 2024. Well, right? good for him. I mean, I think he sort of has to. Yeah, 2024 is going to be an interesting year. Right, but then clearly you're not going to work with them, right? Because really I wouldn't want to do anything that helps the Republicans do anything well in the next two years to help set up their campaigns for that election cycle. But, but doesn't that seem, Leah, like what half of our – politicians are doing anyway is working toward their own uh, parties. I like that you think it's half. Well, okay. I feel like it's a lot think, higher. Think, than yeah, that. maybe so. It, it just seems like we don't get anything done because we don't want to give too much credit to the other side, uh, whoever's initiating a, a policy. Uh, like if, if Biden does the student loan forgiveness program and the Republicans go crazy because they don't want him to look like he did something great, or and, they disagree with him, or or sure. But but I think it's it's also because if the if the person in power can't get their agenda through, it's really hard to do. Anyway, we'll see how that goes. Uh, and excited about changes on, on both sides, the Republicans too, and we didn't get a chance to talk about their new leadership, but uh, maybe we can at a later time. When we come back after the break, a death penalty case in Utah from over 40 years ago has been set aside. We'll break that down. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. <laughs> 